0: Tonight I want to give an introduction into this theme of how we can bring particularly the practice of mindfulness into our relationships, into our communication. And that's of course a vast topic, so I will. Uh, I have picked some, some themes out of this. And one thing I want to emphasize tonight is the importance of mindful listening. But before I uh, start to talk a little bit more, I want to sit a few minutes with you quietly so that we can have some space for what I say. But also as a as a taste of uh, what I mean when I talk about presence, to be present with someone else. Uh, If we want to be present with someone else, we need to be present with ourselves. We need to befriend who we are. We need to make friends with our feelings, particularly with the feelings which are challenging to us. So the way we we relate to others, builds on the way we relate to ourselves. If we have, and we all have it, but to that extent we are afraid of our own feelings, of our own thoughts, of our own inner life. To that extent we will be afraid of the same feelings in another person. And meeting these feelings in another person, then, will lead to aggression, to denial, to uh, unskillful, uh, unskillful uh, relating to the pain, to the, to the feelings in the other person. So where we really have to start in, the, in, uh, in this practice is with ourselves. And it's so wonderful because you do, the, do this work with yourself and in the same time this is the most beautiful gift you can give others. You know, your own, the development of your own inner peace, the development of, of tenderness towards who you are in this moment in your life. That's the most important gift, the most urgent gift you can give the people around you. They are waiting for that. We all have some people in, in our life they wait for us. They wait for us to be open to them, to be kind to them, to love them. And we can't leave it to others you are the father or the mother of your children, or you are the husband of your wife, or you are the son or the daughter of your parents. There is nobody else, you can't say, oh, I leave that to someone else. So, when we um, approach our practice like that, then uh, the practice becomes very beautiful, because uh, it is a practice which is uh, including others. It's a practice which uh, lightens up the self-centered approach which we usually have to whatever we do. Yeah, so Now, you know, when we sit quietly and when you listen to me, if we do it really with this motivation, I'm, I'm here not only for myself, also, of course, But I'm also actually here for the people I meet tonight and tomorrow. Particular to the people who are really close to us. That's where we start. And I choose this uh, topic because what sometimes happens, that's a kind of shadow element in the mindfulness practice, what sometimes happens, or in spiritual practice in general, what sometimes happens is, it's be, it becomes like a personal trip, a private trip. And you know, spiritual practice, our meditation practice, if it does not affect the way we relate to others, then something is really missing in our practice. Yeah. If our prayers, our, whatever we do as practice, if that does not affect the way we relate to others, then we need to really uh, uh, look deeply what what can we change okay before I go on and on and on <laughs> that's uh, uh, let's uh so I, you are already quiet, so now I have to be quiet <laughs> and um Now uh, uh, um, a good way to slide into the practice is to connect with the posture. Right? Maybe if you're sitting on a chair, maybe you put both both feet on the ground. If this is comfortable, straighten up the back a little, without being strict, relaxing the shoulders. If you like, you can close your eyes, but it's also okay if you keep them open. And then, in this gentle, friendly way, Notice how you sit, notice the sensation of sitting. Notice how the floor or the chair carries you. And meet yourself. Arriving at your own door, meeting yourself as a friend. And if your mind is still somewhat agitated, or you have some things from the day which are still present here, that's no problem. There's space here for you, for all of you. Just bring yourself along with your thoughts and feelings sensations in your body and allow yourself to shift down from trying to get somewhere trying to improve yourself or others trying to fix things or control Allow yourself to shift down to just being who you are, not really being who you are. And then like meeting a friend or holding a child. And then, in this gentle openness, with a part of your awareness, you start to dance with the breath, noticing the in and outflow of the breath that that does not mean that you need to feel differently or have different thoughts, allow while noticing the breath. In this noticing, we can bring a quality of gratefulness. I'm breathing, I'm alive. I'm breathing, I'm aware. And that is really a wonder. You can let your thoughts just drift through the space like clouds drifting through the sky without going towards them but also without rejecting them. Let yourself be okay. Let this moment be okay. Notice how there is a stillness arising. You can notice how some of the tension in your body dissolves if you really let go into this being carried by the floor. Again and again, we make a gesture of welcoming, of allowing, of letting be. Just being here. And then if you notice that you're not present anymore, that you have been hooked by a fantasy, by a judgment, then noticing that is a good sign. And then without making a big deal we go back to the breath. can appreciate that right now we have everything we need right now we are sustained <clears throat> we are sustained in a perfect way So I will talk for a while now, and then we will have a short break. And then after the break, we will uh, again meditate a little. And then if you have questions, I can answer some questions. And I have some other things to say as well. And uh, I want to structure uh, the talk uh, with one of the very fundamental Buddhist teachings, teaching, and that's the teachings on the f- the teaching on the Four Noble Truths. Uh, it is really, it's not that we need to have a different kind of teaching if you look into communication and how to be with others. It's just that we need to look at the teachings, and we can ask ourselves then. How can I apply that to my relationships, to my communication? So the Four Noble Truths is said was the first teaching the Buddha gave when he attained enlightenment. Uh, he went to some uh, people who, some men he had practiced with before, and he delivered this speech on the Four Noble Truths. And the first thing the Buddha said which is called The First Noble Truth, is that life is difficult. Unliberated life is difficult. It's full of problems. It's up and down. And to expect it to be different is childish. And to hope that there is a kind of trick we need to learn or something we have not not, not, uh, not understood yet, to hope that there is this one self-help book which we just need to read and then there will be no pain anymore, or there is this one cause, we like weekend cause, which we just we, we weren't there yet. But yeah. so we have this hope as if there is a way to be where everything is well, but that's not the case. So our life will continue to go up and down. So when we uh, accept that in regard to our relationship, then we need to accept that being in relationships means to have problems. Just accept that. It's part of the package. And th- of course the, 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 um, the, uh, the conclusion then, okay, now I don't have relationships anymore because then you have the problems of not having relationships. So it does not matter. You will have problems. So it's not that we did something wrong it's not that we are with the wrong person we should have married someone else or we, we have made the wrong decisions you know, if you would have married someone else you would have the problem with that person so, and that's really a relief to accept that If you if you go into uh, if you go into relationship not only in our intimate relationship, business relationships, relationships in your team at work, relationships in a Dharma centre, you will have problems, you will have challenges. So since we will have problems, let's look at it differently at the problems. And how can we look differently at that is, for example, it is the challenges in our relationship which let us grow. Yeah? It's uh, People who are difficult for us, they are actually the best teachers in our life. While we are in the difficult relationship, we don't see that sometimes. But looking back is you know, it, it is often the, the difficult people, the challenging situations in our life where we, where we really learn, where we cultivate what is important, cultivate you know, patience and compassion and wisdom. So if, if we drop that idea, there is this kind of, uh, you know, I think we are quite influenced by, ho- by Hollywood movies. Yeah? So the, the couple comes together and then the movie stops and one has this fantasy of they are happy. Yeah? And then the, the work of being in a relationship and it is work of being in a relationship and we need to be willing to do this work Um, that's uh, left out and then we think in our relationship we have done we, we are stupid or the other person is stupid we're doing something wrong so relationships are difficult the second noble truth is there's a cause for that yeah there's a cause for that problem There's a cause for that pain. And there we can uh, distinguish two levels. The immediate cause for the problems in our relationship is our self-centered attitude. The immediate cause for the problem in our relationship is what is in here for me? What can I get out of here for me, 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 me? Watch out if you don't serve me. If you don't make me happy. I'm together with you because you're supposed to make me happy. And that's how we enter almost every situation in our life. What about me? So this what about me that leads to two movements which makes us act in our relationship and that's wanting to have the nice things what is called uh, attachment wanting to hear nice words, wanting other people to agree with me wanting other people to you know, do what we think they are supposed to do to serve my needs. Yeah? So that's attachment that's the, the, the one, one movement we constantly do if we like things in our relationship, but also in general. And the other movement is a movement away from what we don't like. Yeah? Something we, we just, you know, if we don't like when a, a person says something, does something, and we don't like it and then aversion. Yeah, and aggression comes from this, uh, you know, aggression comes, uh, we we get irritated, when people don't behave in the way they should behave, for our needs. They don't behave in the way they're supposed to, because they are there to fulfill our needs. That's why we are in the relationship. And of course we have also other, other uh, motivations in our relationships and that's something we can cultivate and uh, the self-centered approach we can lighten up and weaken through Buddhist practice. But the self-centered approach, if we are honest, and it is really challenging, it's painful to see that and to admit that. Yeah, that uh, Very often when we say, I love you, that there is actually not so much love in, in this I love you. There is. I'm not saying there isn't, but the but, uh, it's dependency, it's uh, fear, it's, you know, it's wanting to have, being attached to a reputation. It's uh, you know, all that, all this is really mixed. So that's uh, the, immediate, the immediate cause for the problems in our relationships, is the self-centered attitude. There is a deeper cause, the, the root cause which is according to the Buddhist teachings the cause for all our problems the cause for all, all our pain and with that also the cause and the, uh, for our relationship problems and that is what, what is called ignorance confusion and according to the Buddhist teachings we are ignorant or confused about how we exist who we are how what reality is. We are confused about that. We are ignorant about that. We act in self-centered ways because we are not in tune with reality, because we are not in tune with who we really are. The way this moment appears to us is not the way this moment exists. We are living in a self-centered fantasy of how this moment exists and each moment of our life. And this self-centered fantasy is something like I am here somewhere stuck in my body and I identify with this little tiny part of the universe that's me, I label that me so I cut a little tiny part of the universe out with my mind And call that me. And this me, which happens to have your name, is the center of the universe from from our perspective. And what happens to this little me, which is created by us, it's a fantasy, it's an idea, it's a story. We don't exist in this cut-off, independent solid ways how it appears to us we are interrelated we are interconnected with everything we depend on each other and on the environment in a way that's not buddhist talk but you can say we are one with the environment and then out of this oneness we cut a little part and this little part <laughs> and the needs of the little part becomes the most important needs the most important part in the universe so the numbers of your account how much money you have on your account that is super important to you sometimes we manage to extend this sense of me to close family members particularly to our children which is interesting because it shows that already shows that the sense of me can be changed. It can be it's not fixed. What we call me or what we sense as me is not fixed. You now some people do it with their car. <laughs> if the car is scratched, it feels like it's on the skin. Yeah. But definitely, mothers do that with their children, and many fathers as well. Yeah. There is an interesting verse about this uh, in Shanti Deva's book, where an Indian master in the Bodhisattva Tara, where he says, You need to be selfish. Just think about yourself all the time, only about yourself. Just See what you are as a little bit bigger. Yeah. His Holiness calls this wise selfishness. You know, looking after your environment where you live in is selfishness from this point of view because you're looking after yourself. You're looking after the system where you are part of. So in a way, uh, serving others, helping others, is helping yourself. And it is possible, you know, because as I said, this uh, uh, sense of self is cultivated by our mind, is, is a way to think, and it can be changed. It can be expanded. And it is a good start, at least for for parents to start, you know, to see, wow, I can actually include others in my sense. And other, other, uh, other being needs become, for some parents, even more important than one, one's own needs. Yeah. It's a good start. But then, of course, there is this, my children. So <laughs> then this mark. This big marker of that's me, which we, which I like. I don't have children. I have very close it around. Then other people included, yeah, into the, their children, but not the neighbors' children. They are not me. Yeah. So that's uh, the cause of uh, of the. Uh, problems in our relationships of the pain in our relationship and it's really true a lot of our stress and pain comes through our relationships it's quite amazing that it is not more addressed in the Buddhist teachings in the mindfulness teachings because it is it is like that if you look back into your life yeah a lot of your uh, problem pain despair and so on comes, uh, came into your life and will come into your life through your relationships. So it's definitely something we need to address in our practice, in our spiritual practice. So these two levels of, of the cause, the, the root level, ignorance and confusion. And out of ignorance and confusion, not knowing who you are, we act in self-centered ways. So then the Buddha said in the third noble truth since we know the cause of the problem there can be an end. If you stop the the cause then there will be no result. So there is a possibility of cessation uh, of stopping. And then in the fourth noble truth the Buddha uh, described the path. No, how can we train? And there we can again look onto the, onto the immediate the immediate cause, our attachment, and our aversion. So that's one level of our practice, and then uh, the practices which lead to the development of wisdom, understanding who we are and how we exist. So I want to now, I want to talk uh, about the fourth noble truths, the the practice. And I want to point out a few uh, attitudes or capacities we cultivate in the mindfulness practice which would support us in... uh, our relationships in our communication. Yeah? So one, one important capacity one trains in mindfulness practice is one's sensitivity to one's feelings. The first step in mindfulness practice is noticing what is happening, recognizing what is happening, getting to know your feelings and stopping to run away from it. So it is a, it is a holding, a stopping, and noticing what is happening, and that's a challenge for us because we are uh, encouraged to run around, to be busy, to distract ourselves, to entertain ourselves, and uh, sometimes we 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 unlearn our ability to be with our, en- our own energy, with who we are. And sometimes we develop almost a fear of uh, who we are and what our feelings are and what our thoughts are. So sometimes people say to me that they are afraid to be still, to be calm, because they feel there is like a demon inside or feelings will come will emerge which you are which you are afraid of and of course that's that's so sad if we cultivate an inability to be with who we are and if we are if we live our life as an escape of our human human existence of our feelings and uh, it is it is really if you look around that's uh, what is happening a lot in our society that we are encouraged to do that and because more and more people are less and less able to be with their feelings that's where all the addictions come from You know, the, the addictions we have they are a symptom of, uh, of this inability to be with feelings. And in the mindfulness practice, we uh, cultivate this, this courage and we, we start to experience wow, I'm perfectly equipped to feel all human feelings. Yeah. what we start to experience is the feelings which i might be afraid of they are not toxic they will not kill me or yeah so that is that is such a uh, that, that is wonderful if this uh, courage starts to arise in us I can be with my feelings. I can be with my fears. I can be with my sadness. And I can also be with my joy because it's also that you know we might also have difficulties to contain deep joy. Yeah. I noticed this when I when I stopped to smoke uh, that I not only smoked to not feel what you usually think you are afraid of, like uh, nervousness or uh, insecurity or vulnerability or boredom, I noticed also that I smoked when I was joyful because I couldn't contain this, this energy. so this uh, increasing sensitivity towards our feelings and befriending them lose, you know learning learning to uh, to befriend ourselves and to accept the feelings yeah? uh, that uh, is uh an important of course that is such a that's really the foundation of uh uh, more constructive communication, more uh, more openness to other p- people. Yeah. As I said in the beginning, the way we we relate to our own feelings, to our own thoughts, that's we bring this to other people. For example, uh, a feeling of uh, grief, which we will all experience. We all, it, we will all experience that. But why? Because we love, and we will lose the people we love. And this will happen to all of us. It's just the reality. Is yeah. So if we are, if we're afraid of, of 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 that, if we if we uh, escape, if we don't give it the space, then that's also how we relate to another person. Grieving, then we offer the other person a bottle of beer. Or. In in more subtle ways, we um, we we show something is wrong with your feeling. You shouldn't feel like that. I think that's one of the most important. Uh, well, that's an important point. Um, in uh, cultivating. Sympathy and openness to another person is to allow the other person to have the f- to, to, to allow the other person to have the space to have the feelings this person has. Uh, I have this poem. Unfortunately, I didn't uh, write down the the outer. But I just want to um, read one first because it connects with this. Where was it? Ah, When I ask you to listen to me and you begin to tell me why I shouldn't feel that way, you're trampling on my feelings. You begin and you begin to tell me why I shouldn't feel that way. You're trampling on my feelings. So that's, uh, that's, no, it starts with, I shouldn't feel like that. I shouldn't feel like that. That's so stupid to feel like that. Gosh, now it's three months ago that my dog died. I shouldn't feel like that. Or well, it's so, I shouldn't be irritated because I'm Buddhist. I shouldn't be irritated. I shouldn't feel like that. Oh, no, I shouldn't have fear. That's just, you know, it's just an interview I'm going to. I shouldn't have fear. I shouldn't feel like that. And that's uh, then, yeah. Remember the last time when, when someone wanted you to listen. and you try to convince this person that the feelings are wrong you shouldn't feel like that because you know things are not too bad and you know, i don't know what kind of reasons we give to prove that this person has wrong feelings at that moment No, the, it's, it's such a beautiful gift and they are, in all of our lives, right now, there are people who would really appreciate when we give them space for their feelings. Because we, we can give the space for these feelings, because we know them from ourselves. So that's called empathy. Yeah. You can uh you can and it, it is really true we can al- we can always we 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 can we can connect with the pain and with the feelings of another person. We know them from our own experience. Yes. Okay. Yes. If if you feel like I just can't take this uh, uh, feeling from this person right now, if yeah. you if you uh, realize this, mm-hmm. uh, I mean uh, I'm thinking that must be a, a, a constructive uh, way to do it. Just to realize mm. that right now I I, I feel uh, I I just I just mm. it's too much. Mm. Yes. Yes, I, I think that that's, then we would look into the theme of, you know, saying, uh, uh, setting healthy borders, protecting yourself, admitting uh, that things are too much, uh, and then in our practice uh, to cultivate this capacity to be with this kind of feelings, yeah, and then going back and yes and and we sometimes we need to look after ourselves and we need to accept our um, our limit not limitations but our uh, yeah Uh, we we are not uh, uh yes yes Can I say something? Yes. But I found myself that it's really, really difficult to find this balance. What is mine, what are my Mm. obligations towards myself, towards the other person in a relationship? Mm. Uh, What are healthy borders um, to see? Because that that way is sometimes. Mm. That's true. yeah and uh, there is no simple solution i think it is uh, uh, it is a constant uh, constant mindfulness practice and constant uh, cultivating uh, it may be informal practice also to be with our feelings and uh, And then uh, to use um, also some psychological uh, knowledge about uh, yourself and other people to navigate this territory, yes. And not to be afraid to make mistakes. I think sometimes when we, when some some of us, I think many of us, um, uh, right now in our life, we are often in a place where it's more about saying no. Some are not all of us, but some. And then it could be that for some time we're a little bit inflexible there. It's like we have been uh, serving others for a long time out of fear. And uh, and then now in our life we need to say we we need to look after ourselves and. Uh, so then sometimes we come for some time inflexible there and we, but I think that's part of the uh, um, training so in, in, in the training in Buddhism what we do is we, we notice when we fall into these extremes and then correct ourselves to go uh, the middle way yeah? Buddhism is also called the middle way between extremes and sometimes we need to be sometimes in an extreme of saying no and looking after ourselves, and making making that the main, uh, emphasizing that a lot. Yeah. And some people who are quite good in saying no, they are uh, could more experimental go into the other into the other. So it's very personal. But in general, I think many people who come to talks like this and who are interested. Or very often it is more the case that these people need to uh, learn to look after themselves and to see that as part of the service for others. It's part of the service we want to give to others is to look after ourselves. Um... Okay, then uh, another quality one uh, cultivates in, um, in mindfulness, and then we have a break, is um, what you can call presence, to be present. Yeah? That's something you cultivate in a practice of mindfulness. You're, you, you cultivate a presence with what is happening in the present moment and uh, there are two obstacles one needs to overcome when you cultivate presence and these two obstacles is on the one hand excitement, distraction yeah so if you for example cultivate uh, to be present with the breath then one obstacle which prevents you to be present with the breath is you think about something else you have fantasies you go somewhere else through irritation or through attachment that's on the, the one one uh, obstacle and the other obstacle is called Dullness or mental thinking, thinking, mental thinking. So that's like you you um, you cultivate presence with the breath, and then it becomes like cloudy and heavy, and then you, know, you think it's mental thinking, and then and then and then the nodding. <laughs> <laughs> So that's uh, the, two, um, the two obstacles one needs to work with in the cultivating of presence. So if you, in a formal meditation practice, cultivate this capacity, and we all have this capacity, it is this just neglected, you know? if we train ourselves to be distracted also t- all the time through entertainment and jumping from one thing to the next so from the buddhist point of view we are all suffering from an attention disorder and it is actually quite fascinating that in western psychology this is not acknowledged that we actually can that we don't need to t- take medication against attention disorder that it is something which we can train it's a habit like in, in western psychology they have this like the attention span can be just I don't know how, how many seconds but that's not what the uh, Buddhist yogis find out yeah? so it is, it is something we can train which we can, we can cultivate and of course this is such a benefit it affects everything, it affects all our whole life an increased capacity to pay attention, an increased capacity to be present, uh, and then bringing this capacity to everything we do, yeah. and of course uh, to the uh, to our relationships, to our meetings, to to be with another person, and the other. Um, uh, uh, obstacle, you know, this sinking, this dullness. Yeah? So, when we cultivate this in a, in a formal meditation practice and we are, we are motiv- motivated to bring this quality into our meetings with other people, that is so beautiful. As you know by yourself, it is so beautiful if you feel that the other person is present to you is listening and is not thinking about something else and is also not half asleep (laughs) but is really paying attention because I mean that's so beautiful and important to be present when we meet other people when we are with other people it is very rewarding as well. One, so that's the last thing. One, one, one um, reflection which can help us to be more, attentive to this or more willing to put some energy into this is uh, the reflection on our mortality that we all will die soon and that the person you meet right now they will also die soon and in that short time where we are together which Mm -hmm. this short time which we can share with each other if we are not present then we miss then we miss that. And these days, that you can't get them back. No soon you will there, that your last moment will be there, your, your last day, and you will look back and then you will ask, "Was I present to the people I loved?" So uh, not as uh, not, I'm not saying that to scare us or to feel guilty. It is more, um, if we do it in an inspiring and skillful way, then it, uh, it makes us grateful and it makes us uh, to value these moments we have together. Yeah. So in that way, uh, if in our meditation practice, We cultivate this quality, which we do in what is called the shamatha practice, Uh, developing shamatha is the Sanskrit for uh, developing tranquility or serenity or focus. So if that is part of our training, our formal training in, in the Buddhist practice, then we immediately can see how this is connected with the relationships we have. Yeah? Because this presence, and you find it, you, you meet that when you meet, uh, when you meet uh, the, the masters in the different Buddhist tradition. Uh, they are present to you when you meet them in the same way they are present in their meditation practice. When I've met many people who have had talked with His Holiness the Dalai Lama and they say I was never so I never felt so welcomed and so seen and so treated as the most important person. Because His Holiness, when you meet him, he is one hundred percent present to who you are in that moment. Present and accepting. And that is something we can give, There's something we can cultivate. Okay, now let's have a break. 10 minutes, 50 minutes.